Amen. Man, we could stop right now and we would have had a great service. Amen. I want to just thank everybody. I want to thank Robin and Steve, Pastor Michelle. Give them all a big hand. This is, this doesn't just happen. Amen. These things take months and months to prep and to work. And so very, very thankful. Would you give our media team a big hand, Jonathan and all of our camera and directors and things. Oh, well, if you'll just bear with me for a few minutes. Today's really all about one word. Amen. One word and one word alone. And it's resurrection. Amen. We're the only ones, and I hate calling Christianity a, a, a religion because it's a relationship. But we're the only ones who can call God Father. We're the only ones who raised from the dead. We're the only ones whose God is alive and working well within each and every one of us for those who ask. So today, that one word, it separates us from all. That word resurrection, it simply means a standing up again. Would you go with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of John? The book of John, and we're going to go to the 11th chapter. And let's pray. Father, we just humbly come before you for these few minutes. And Lord, I just pray that our ears are open, that our eyes are open, that Lord, as this word is being preached, that all of heaven stands ready, Father, at your will, at this word. I plead the blood over every person in this room. I declare that we have ears to hear, that our ears are open, that our eyes are open, that our hearts are open this morning. That, Lord, we've come to hear your word. We want to hear about you today. So, Father, I thank you that we're hungry for your word, and we receive it by faith in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. amen. And so you go to John chapter 11, and uh, what we're talking about is uh, this is a wonderful um, accounting of Jesus as he is going with his disciples and uh, they need some food, so they're in Samaria, so Jesus stays at a well. And the disciples go to get him food, and as he's standing there, uh, a Samaritan woman comes to him, and so her, Jesus and her begin to have this interaction and to have this conversation. And she starts giving him all the religious reasons of, of, of who he's supposed to be and where he's supposed to come from. And, Jesus is just smiling and, and knowingly looking at her and lovingly. And Jesus makes this statement in John eleven twenty five. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And right then and there, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows who Jesus is. Jesus says, I'm not here about the resurrection. Jesus says, I'm not here to watch a resurrection. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. That means he's got the stand up on the inside power inside of him. That means that Jesus, can we be real honest this morning, real transparent? The devil only has one card. He only has one card and that's death. That's the only card that he had. Poor devil got stripped down and all he's got left is this one card called death. And now Jesus comes along and he says, oh yeah, by the way, I am the resurrection. 
I am the life. He whoever believes in me shall not die. Can you imagine the devil's countenance when he heard those words? Jesus says, I am the resurrection. It's a standing up again. It's what the word that separates us from everybody. But then he says this also. He says, I am the life. He didn't just raise us from the dead. He gave us a life. He gave us the Zoe kind of life. And I'm just going to read to you what the word Zoe means, okay? This is not my interpretation of it. This is what the word means in the Greek. It means a life real and genuine. How many of us every day wake up and say, Lord, I want a life that's real and I want a life that's genuine. I don't want to just get up every day and go through the motions. There's more to life than just paying bills. Somebody say amen. amen. There's more to life than getting on I-10 every morning with the rest of these jokers. Somebody say amen. amen. I want a life that's real and genuine because before the foundations of the earth, God stood there and he designed each one of our hearts individually. You are custom made, one of a kind. There'll never be another just like you. So how in the world could you think that you're insignificant? How in the world could you think that no one would care if you weren't here? How in the world could you believe the lies of the enemy that you're not the head, but you're the tail? I'm here to tell you this morning that God loves you, that all that you've seen today, the gospel has been portrayed to you in many different ways. But the purpose of all this today was because God loves you. And he doesn't just love you just to get you back into the family. He wants you at the head table with him. There's no kids table in heaven. Does everybody understand that? There's no redheaded stepchildren in heaven. Does everybody understand that? We're all firstborn children of the king. Folks, you got to say this to yourself sometimes. Because this whole world is bent on trying to keep you out of the image of God. This whole world is trying to tell you everything that you can't do. Do you remember last week when we were talking about training? And I was talking about if I go to the gym and I lift this weight and it's a heavy weight and you go, Pastor, that's great, that's wonderful. And if I lifted this weight, you could say, Pastor, that's great, that's wonderful. And if it was a really, really heavy weight, my PR, you'd go, wow, that's really great. But my PR doesn't help you. Amen? Amen. My PR, just like the testimony of what your Uncle Bill did in the mission field 20 years ago, doesn't help you. It's got to be about you. It has to be about you. And I have found when I get to do something, when I start lifting something that's heavier, it's only the people that have never lifted it that tell me that I can't. And the ones that have lifted it are like, oh yeah, you can do that and much, much more. Think about that for a second. Are you hanging around with people that tell you you can or tell you that you can't? Because they've never done anything and they don't want to see you do it because they like you just where you are. I'm telling you, you need to check who you're hanging around with. You need to check and see who you're lifting with because there's more. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And as I said before, that word life means a real life and genuine. But here's the part that makes people mad. I'm not saying it. Say, say Jesus said it. Zoe life means a happy life and every kind of blessing. Hard to believe that sometimes, isn't it? 
a happy life. Is it okay for you to have a happy life? Yes. Yes. Is it okay for you to be blessed? Yes. What's the problem? We forget who the blesser is. Don't put the emphasis on the blessing and put the emphasis on the blesser. And if you'll keep that in order, you can have the most wonderful life. God is not against you having things. He just doesn't want those things to take his place. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. And I thought one of the greatest ways to talk about today was one of the greatest parables in the Bible. Will you go with me to the book of Luke? I thought if one parable kind of encapsulated what this day is all about, it would be this one. So go with me to Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. And this is the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Everybody knows it. It's very, very famous in the Bible. Jesus used parables to try and explain kingdom principles to people. It was kind of like cliff notes for believers back then. It was kind of like bullet points. They couldn't understand the big picture, so he gave them the small picture and like words or pictures so that they could understand it. So you have this wonderful story or parable of the prodigal son. A father had two sons, and obviously the father was wealthy and had a lot. So the one son, the young son, came to him and he said, Father, I want all my goods. Give me my part of my inheritance. The father grants his wish. So the next day the son takes all of his belongings and it says and he goes into a far country and there he begins to live. And let me just read it to you so you understand it. It says in verse, uh, it says the son leaves, goes to a faraway land and wastes all that he has with what the Bible calls prodigal living. That word prodigal is why it's called the prodigal son. It's called the wasteful son. That word prodigal means wasteful. As that son is in that land, he's partying, he's wasting all of his money, a famine hits. And all of a sudden, this young man, he loses all of his money. Now he has nothing. The Bible says that he, that he actually begins to be in want. And that word want means to fail. He begins to fail. So as he's out there, he joins himself to the citizen of that nation. And guess what that citizen does for a living? He's a pig farmer. Now, to a Jewish man, to be a pig farmer, things have gotten really, really, really bad. You cannot get any lower for this person. This man has lost all of his money. He's lost all of his pride. He's lost all of his dignity. And now he's out there and he's a pig farmer and he's sitting there and he says, even the pigs are eating better than I do. And I'm going to tag something along with my father did a couple of weeks ago. So don't get mad at me. Okay. We run into one of the biggest butts in the Bible. It's one of the best butts in the Bible that I've ever seen. Amen. The best butts in the Bible. Go with me and look at verse 17. Luke chapter 16, verse. I'm sorry, verse. I was doing so good there too. Luke 15, excuse me. Verse 17 says, and this is the son. But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? Another translation says he had a thought. The son had a thought. 
And when he had that thought, he began to look at the father differently. And he began to repent in his heart. And he said, I will go back to my father and I will repent and I will humble myself. And maybe he will let me just be one of the hired servants. So the son leaves to go back home. But this is one of the greatest verses also in the Bible. And it says in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22. But the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. So all of a sudden there's a big party that starts. The prodigal son has come home. The older brother hears what's going on in the house. So he asks one of the servants, what happened? The son, the servant tells him, hey, your brother, this is your brother. Everybody say brother. Brother. Brothers are related, right? That's, That's a pretty easy one, right? Brothers are related, right? The brother, instead of rejoicing, he gets angry and he won't come in. So the father comes outside and he pleads with this older brother, your son has, your brother is home, come and celebrate. And the son makes this statement. He says, I have worked for you all these years. I have worked. I have never asked anything of you. And yet this brother who has gone on a foreign land and spent all of his money on wine, women, and song, here you're going to give him the fatted calf. And the father makes this statement, and this is what I want to key on today. He says in verse 32, he said, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. When did the son die? It says, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for you. Your brother was dead? When did he die? I don't remember any part of that parable where that son died. That son died when he was separated from the father. You and I, when we were born in this sin nature, by our nature, we were separated from God. Does everybody understand that? We were dead. We needed resurrection power. So what did that father do? That father killed the fatted calf. That father put a ring on his finger. That father put a robe on him. That father restored that son as if he had never left. Get a picture of that this morning. Now, the older brother is mad, and that older brother, it represents religion. That older brother wanted to be paid because it makes you work. I have worked all these years, and by pride, I have never asked you for anything. Religion is hard, and it's cold, and it remembers every sin. Because that older brother knew exactly what the younger brother had been doing in a faraway land. Religion is hard, it's cold, it's unloving. See, they were related. Aren't you glad that the prodigal son didn't run into the older brother first? What would have happened if he would have run into that older brother first? That older brother would have been like, you know what? 
we might bring you back in. We'll discuss it, but you're going to work. And just when you've worked, we're going to make you work some more. And we're going to remind you every day of what a rotten, trash person you are for what you did to your father. And we're going to remind you of it, and you're going to work, and you're going to be able to see us having a good time, but you're not going to be able to enter in because you're never going to be good enough. But what'd the father do? The father acted as if it never happened. Folks, this is the story of my life. I was that prodigal son. I was that one that God didn't just heal and save, but he put me in the ministry. Crazy stories. We'll talk to you. We'll tell you some stories sometimes. Where are you today? Are you that son or that daughter that's been far away? Do you think the father's mad at you? He's not. He's waiting for you to make that step towards him. He sees you before you see him. And he wants to tell you that everything's okay and that everything is going to be all right. That father restored that son with resurrection power. Once he was dead and now he's alive. It's the same thing that happens to you and I when Jesus Christ comes into our life. We get resurrection power. If you're born again, you've got resurrection power flowing through you right now. But guess what? It all starts with a thought. No one, and God loves us so much that he can't make you get saved. He can't force his will upon you. Did you notice that when, when did truly the life of the prodigal son, when did it really change? At what point? When he had a thought. And ladies and gentlemen, when you and I get fed up and sick and tired of being fed up and being sick and tired, when we get tired of living with the pigs and watching everybody else eat so much better than I do, when you have a thought, when you change the way that you think, that's when change is going to come in your life. You've got to, I can't make you come to that thought. I can't force you into that thought. I wish I could just preach a wonderful little salvation message this morning. We'll go home. We'll cut into that Easter ham. Amen. We'll enjoy it. But see, I can't make you or force you do anything, nor can the father. All he does is set a table and he says, when you're ready when you've tried it your way, how many of us have tried it our way over and over and over? We keep trying it our way over and over. Folks, if we could fix ourselves, we would. We needed a savior and that's what today's all about. It's all about a savior. We needed him. So, quick question. How do you know if you're really saved? Anybody ever wonder that? Is it because you went to church today? Does that make you a car if you're in the garage when you get home? No. Does it make you a race car driver if you're on I-10? Maybe. Maybe. Let me show you something real quick. Go with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of a short stature. 
So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And I have, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. How do we know if we're born again? There had to have been a change on the inside. Just like Zacchaeus, you had to have been turned from a taker to a giver. If you are professing to be born again, but there was never a change in your heart or in your life, then maybe you just said a simple prayer one day with somebody, but never added any faith to what you were doing. Secondly, how do I know that if I'm born again? Go with me to the book of Matthew. How do I know if I'm born again? Matthew chapter 7. And that's beginning in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. How do I know if I'm born again, pastor? What kind of fruit are you producing? Are you producing any fruit to give evidence of the change that's taken place inside of you? And we have to ask ourselves that question. What's the first thing that he put into our hearts? Love. Love. If resurrection was the happening of the day, love is the motivation of the day. Everything that happened today happened because of love. Everything that happened today happened because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever should believe in him should not what? Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Today is all about love. It's hard for me to profess myself as a born-again Christian if I haven't changed on the inside and there's no fruit to the evidence. What kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of tree are you today? Is there any fruit that somebody could eat from? Because you don't produce fruit for yourself, you produce fruit for others. What do you taste like? Anybody tried to come and pick a piece and got their hand slapped or got bitten? Amen? Listen to me, there has to be a change. The reason that I knew that I was saved is because God transformed me from a taker to a giver. That's how I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was different because I was a thief, I was a liar, I was a con, I was all those types of things. And the next thing I do, I'm on the phone the next day forgiving debts of everybody that I knew because I knew that I had a lot of debts out there that I needed to be forgiven. So I started forgiving debts left and right. 
All of a sudden, this thing came in me. I want to help. I want to serve. I want change. I want to be different. So I encourage you today as I'm wrapping up this morning. That prodigal son, he had a thought. And maybe you're not out eating corn cobs with the pigs in the middle of a field, but maybe you're at a place in your life where you're just fed up with it. The father is here today and he's got resurrection power. And he's saying, all you have to do is you take a step towards me. I'll not force myself on you. So with every eye bowed, every eye closed and head bowed, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, or if maybe you recited some prayer at an altar one day, but walked away the same way, and you'd like to rededicate yourself to the Lord this morning, then I'm just going to ask you to be brave and stand up. If that's who you are and you know who you are, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, or if you'd like to rededicate your life to him today, then be brave and stand up. And I just want to pray with you. What a great day to have resurrection power than on Resurrection Sunday. From what I understand, you get a double dose today. Just pray this with me. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heal me of all my diseases. Deliver me from all addictions. Give me a hunger for your word. Guide me to a good church. But most importantly, be my best friend. Talk to me, Jesus. I want to know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never prayed that before, then one of the strengths of our church at WHCC is we're a discipleship church. Jesus didn't say go and make Christians. He said go and make disciples. And church is where we come to get trained and where we come to learn. But it's also a place of healing. It's a house of miracles. I'm a better person for being involved in my local church, for knowing each and every one of you, for having you in my lives. Christianity was never created to go live alone somewhere away from everyone. That's easy. But to live with somebody, to live in a family, amen, and learn how to love and how to forgive and those types of things, it truly is a blessing, amen? Well, we did it. You did it. Give yourselves a big hand. We'll all get t-shirts that said, I survived Resurrection Sunday 2023. Amen. I'm going to be honest, seeing the room this filled, I'm, I am, I'm hearkening back to COVID three years ago. I don't think we really understand what COVID did to the church. It really did. I mean, it really, really was a master stroke of the enemy to try and stop us. But this is what we looked like pre-COVID. Amen. And if you're not part of a local church, then I want to invite you, you come, keep coming. We don't, we, we, we don't have all the answers, but we'll figure it out together. Amen. This is a safe place. And everybody that's in leadership here, these are people that have been here for uh, multiple years. They've been fully vetted. 
but this is a safe place. This is a good place to come, grow your family, and help us teach you to train to reign. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet. Please don't forget to pick up your children. Just know that you're loved, that you're prayed for on a regular basis. Pastor Michelle and I, my parents, we pray for you. We're believing God for the best. When you succeed, we succeed. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for today. We plead the blood of Jesus over us, over each person in this room. And Father, I just pray for their purpose, their destiny, God. I declare, Father, that, uh, Lord, that there's resurrection power that's flowing in us, to us, and through us today, that we're not lacking in any good thing. I take authority over all sickness, illness, and disease now in the name of Jesus. And I declare, Father, that all colds, flus, influenza, I take authority right now over, over all respiratory issues in the name of Jesus. I take authority over allergies and allergic symptoms in the name of Jesus. I curse cancer at its root. And I thank you that right now, right now, the strengthening of your immune system by faith is taking place. That your eyes are strong, your ears are strong. If you want to keep your hair, just you can keep a full head of hair all the days of your life if you want it. For some of you, sorry. God loves you, cares for you, believes in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.